So welcome back to my podcast. Welcome for those of you that are returning. For those of you that are new, you can find me at my website, davidlebovitz.com, and notes about my life, recipes, stories about Paris, and notes about this podcast episode on my newsletter, which is davidlebovitz.substack.com. And today I have a special guest who I met online. I'm one of these men that's really good at meeting women online. (laughs) (laughs) And you're proof that there are quality people online that you can meet. We met sort of during COVID, I guess. Mm -hmm. You'd been living in Paris for about 10 years. And somehow we got brought together by being, what, how, what would you say? What brought us together? I don't know. But I didn't get to meet you till recently in no, person. No, yes. I don't remember what brought us together, but I do remember that I sent you some coupe de champagne. Yes. Some coupes. Which I needed badly. Yeah. And everybody was doing lives. You were doing a lot of lives, making cocktails. He said, but, he needs some glasses. Yes. <laughs> so I'm here with Ajiri Aki. And you are also known as Madame de la Maison. And she lives in Paris. You've been living here... 12 years now. 12 years now. And you have a company called Madame de la Maison. And you specialize in style, beautiful dinnerware. Yeah, all tabletop, tabletop antiques, tabletop uh, linens, and, you know, a lifestyle about gathering around the table. It's a lifestyle brand. I'm very jealous. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun business. Well, your book, Joie is beautiful. It just came out. And it's the subtitle is A Parisian's Guide to Celebrating the Good Life. And I was in your apartment and I saw how you do celebrate the good life. But it was wonderful because, and in your book you talk about this, it's very real. You have kids running around, you've got a husband, you live in a very, I guess you say working class neighborhood, which yeah. is where I live yeah. or lived. I lived over and you have like sort of a normal life, but you have such a beautiful life as well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I have to say it feels like a very good life. Yeah, your book is sort of this glorious ode to French life. But before I start, I just want to say in your book, you have interviews and profiles of people who are stylish or who have some sort of not necessarily chic, but have a sense of style. And I'm not in there. So either that was an intentional omission or you, I need to get your help because I'm wearing flip-flops with socks right now and you're dressed very nicely here in my kitchen. Well, no, I mean, I just, at that point when I was writing, I just thought of people that, you know, had touched my life or taught me mm-hmm. something about joie yeah. or, you know, about these different subjects I was focusing on. So, yeah, it was nice to kind of, you know, hear some other voices. Well, that's what, I, that's what I like about, or I liked about your book. I'm just going to use the past tense because I actually read it from cover to cover, which I don't normally do. Oh. And I like the fact that you had met these people over the course of your life and you talked about them in your book. Yeah. People yeah. who helped you maybe, yes. influenced you and so forth. Yeah. I mean, if I could have, I would have interviewed so many more people, but, you know, we had to sort of limit it to one or two per chapter. But there's, yeah, there's so many people that you meet along the way who taught you, who have taught me, excuse me, let me speak um, in the right tense here, (laughs) who have taught me things that have contributed to where I am and how I perceive this experience of living here. So you started this company, Madame de la Maison. Yes. And you have beautiful things that you sell on your website. And what was your impetus for starting this company? You know, I've always invited people to my house 
as a way to find community and connection, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you move to a new city, a new country, a new um, culture, a new culture, you yeah. know, the best way to find your tribe and to get to know people new or people you want to get to know better is just to say, oh, do you want to come over for tea, lunch, dinner, you know, whatever. You know, Which isn't very French. It's very not French. Like yeah. French want to wait till they get to know you very well before they invite you. Um, I think I get that open door sort of policy from my Nigerian-ness, from my Texan, mm-hmm. you know, come one, come all, you <laughs> yeah. know, open door. And that's just what I've always known. You know, my parents were immigrants to America. So that's how, you know, invite people over. So I started doing that and people would always say, oh, I love when I come over to your house. You're so good at this. And I started kind of thinking about, you know, what I was going to do with my like life and my career. And my friend was just like, it's obvious you should have the supper club. And I was like, Ooh. huh. I thought about it for like a hot second and then realized <laughs> what dishes, I, dishes. Yes, I like I, buying dishes. What not I, yeah, exactly. Around. What I love the most <laughs> about welcoming people is the company, like the, the being with them mm-hmm. and not the whole like perfection. And I also talk about this in the book too, is that I quickly learned I'm not really good at like making some like fancy meal and having it all timed perfect and having it out mm-hmm. on time. What I am good at is, you know, styling a table and being a hostess and having a really good time with everyone. So, you know, talking with my friend Tara, just like thinking about like what it is that I want to do. And then I, yeah, at her house and I was like, you know what, maybe I'm going to start a brand. I'm going to start a lifestyle brand and mm-hmm. it's going to be all about this that I'm good at, which is bringing people together. Mm-hmm. So. Already, I was a decorative arts lover, and I was always going to the flea market, and Thomas was like, stop bringing things home. So I'm like, I'm going to keep bringing things <laughs> yeah. home, but I'm going to sell it. So that's how Madame Delmaison was born. Well, whenever I buy anything like at a flea market and I put a picture of it online, everyone's like, where do you, where do you keep all this stuff? I'm like, in my cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Like, where do you keep your dishes? It's like, yeah, it's, we, we have like limited space, car. but there's room for it. Yes. It's like a clown car at my house, too. It's just like, they're all, it's all in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it just like keeps coming out. But I, I like that because if you're someone who enjoys the company of others, I think it's a fun thing to be able to like change up your dishware and to like have options. It's, you know, I think it's maybe mm-hmm. like someone who's like a fashion hoarder. Maybe that's what I am for a tabletop. I love to have like different options to mm-hmm. style different tables. So I just love bringing it all home. Well, one thing I like about your book, and I see a lot of books that are people like sort of showing off that they live in France and so forth, and their lives look good. And yours looks really good in the book, too. I must say, I was like, I need to tag along with her um, (laughs) and get some tips. But it's also, you discuss like real life things. You know, every day is not a perfect day in Paris, but somehow French people are mostly talking about Parisians, Mm. make it through the day. Yeah. At the end of the day, everything's like, okay. But your book covers chapters, like how to find a really good baguette, where's a good spa to go to, and not like a fancy spa, but you you mentioned French people go away on weekends, Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing. Everyone in France, no matter how much money, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but the people that are just sort of everyday people have summer houses or weekends. Everyone has, do you have one? A no, but we're, we're, we've You're been looking, looking for one. We're, that's high on our list. I think you have to inherit them in France. Yeah, well, most people do, but I've started to find, I think like when I got here 12 years ago, it's, you know, there are a lot of people that have inherited one, mm-hmm. inherited a house, but there's a lot of young people who are starting to like buy yeah. houses. 
So, I mean, well, what happened was after COVID, mm -hmm. a lot of people decided they wanted like balconies or terraces in Paris. Yeah. So, anything with a balcony or terrace went way up in price. Yeah. And one of my neighbors was saying, We decided just it was cheaper to buy a house in the countryside an hour and a half away. Because, you know, you drive out of yeah. Paris half yeah. an hour. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's kind of our thinking right now is a house where we can have green space. And yet, we have kids. We have kids. Um, you know, we both grew up, I grew up in the suburbs. Thomas grew up not in the suburbs, but, you know, in Lucerne, there's a lot of, like, nature. Mm -hmm. And so he misses that nature also, so. Yeah, French people are very, your husband's Swiss, but. Swiss German, yes. Yeah. Well, we'll just call him French for now. <laughs> <laughs> He'll die. <laughs> European, European. Very close to nature. Um, yes. And a lot of French people, I was telling someone about this once, because a lot of times there's this sort of feudal mentality, even in Paris, like neighbors and, you know, people on the street and you get into little fistcuffs. You know, I had a disagreement <laughs> with a woman who was coming at me yesterday on her bicycle and the, she was going the opposite direction, the one-way path. And I just stopped and she decided she was going to like stop too and have a standoff with yeah. me. And I said, well, I have the right of way. She's like, well, I'm going there. So, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of French people are like one or two generations away from being paysan, paysans. Yeah. Yeah. Which you, in your book, you say that doesn't really translate yeah. to peasants, which it doesn't, yeah. but it's a country person. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's super interesting. I think like, that's what I love about French people. It's like, I don't know, like it's a place where you can be comfortably middle class, mm -hmm. you know, which sadly not the case in many other countries. But I think that's kind of a something I've noticed here and kind of like here, mm -hmm. you know, that, yeah, I love the way people interact here for sure. I think it's really special. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about, there's certain topics in your okay. book that you brought up that I thought were really interesting. And maybe we'll just do a little, almost speed round, not speed okay. round, but we can talk about things. Okay. One is you talked about the importance of finding a good baguette which is actually, it's a skill. Absolutely. Tell me how you find a good baguette. Because you mentioned that in your book with, with so many boulangeries in Paris. Yes. What's your take on them? Okay. If I can be very honest, okay. because the story I tell in the book, which is a really hilarious story, and I can never forget it about just being sent by French people to buy a baguette, getting any old bread, and they're immediately being like, where did you get this? Yeah. crunching it, squeezing it, and then be like, this is not baguette. I was like, yes, it is. It's baguette. And they're like, no, this is not baguette. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of the beginning of me learning. And also, you know, my husband, I guess, in the beginning, he'd be like, where'd you get that? Well, you were out in the country and you bought baguettes where? I went to Monoprix. Okay. And they said this was like pan industriel, industrial bread. Yeah. And it wasn't a real baguette. Yeah. And... I was just like, what are you talking about? This is a baguette. They're like, no, it's not. This is, I mean, they were kind of extreme. And <laughs> they're like, this is bread for dogs. Like, yeah. give it to the children. I'm like. <laughs> well, I always think it's funny when you're, like in Paris, I'll see people buying a baguette at the supermarket when there's a bakery right next door. Yes. Like, okay. So, I mean, that is going to happen, of course, right? But you also see in Paris people lining up down the street yeah. at the boulangerie to get their baguette. There's always a line. Yeah. So, I personally, it's very rare that I would cross town for a baguette. I'm going to go to my local boulangerie. But I live in a place where it's nice. I have a lot of, you know, in the 11th, where there's just a, a nice few boulangeries that mm -hmm. I go to. So for me, that's where I get my 
baguette now. I do not go to Monterey for a baguette. No. I do not go Merci to beaucoup. the Carrefour. <laughs> Sorry. I go to these boulangeries that are like family owned mm -hmm. and operated. And it changes. Like when they have the best baguette contest, people write to me and they're like, do you go to that bakery to get a baguette? And it's like in the 19th. There's nothing against the 19th. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's 35 minutes on my bike. Yeah. It's like, no. I, I mean, I think like, Sure, if you're like a baker and you've come all the way here and you want to cross town to taste that baguette, great, have mm -hmm. fun. But for me, a good baguette is the one from the boulangerie that mm -hmm. is a real boulangerie. Well, once I had a doctor's appointment over in the 13th and I went to this, this bakery had a sign like, we won best baguette like four years ago. So I went in there and to be very nice, it was not like a really great looking bakery. A lot of the pastries were very colorful, you know, colors not readily found in nature, those kind of things. But I bought a baguette and I brought it home and it was delicious. Oh, yeah. So you never so, know. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely I'm going to, you know, keep eyes out on if ever a sign was saying, you know, best boulangerie, I'll definitely try it. Mm -hmm. I love bread. I've never. I know. Not it's a lot bread. of bread in France. We're always going, cycling through bread. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Like bread, like you find beauty in things you find at the flea market. I find the loaf of bread yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, Oprah would agree. She always talks about how much she loves bread. And you were just in Oprah <laughs> in the I magazine. Was. Yeah. OprahDaily.com. It was very exciting. When I moved here, Oprah had gone to Hermes and they were closed and they wouldn't let her in. Oh, I were remember you, that story. I don't know if you were here. I don't remember if I was here either, but I, I do remember that story. And it was kind of a thing and people were discussing, was it racist or whatever? And those of us that live here are like, no, they were closed. Like, of course, the <laughs> yeah. if they, you know, if, right. you know, if God came back to earth, you know, and yeah. said, wanted to go to Hermes, they'd be like, got to come back tomorrow at, you know, 10, <laughs> 10 a.m. It's very French. That is so very true. Oh but one God. thing you talk about, another thing you talk about on my checklist here of things is saying no in yeah. France. Yeah. And it's something you hear a lot, and I never understood. I understood it, but you, your take on that is really interesting. Can you explain why the French say no to a lot of? I was going to say everything, but <laughs> to a lot of things. Yes, to a lot of things. You know, I used to also think that this was rude, and people will say like, "Oh, the French are so rude." They say no, and you know, and then you start to realize that really no is self-preservation. I mean, historically, right? Like if you think about it. I read this book where they were saying, like, you know, you, you can take it back to the revolution where they realize that they have the right to, to say no. They have the right mm -hmm. to object to something that they, they gained don't. the right. Yeah, they yeah. gained. Yeah. yeah. They fought for the right yeah. to say no to something that they don't like. And that's where the seeds start. Mm -hmm. But as you think about it now in modern day life and how they've been doing this is because they realize that they're humans with rights. Mm -hmm. And so... The story I tell about asking a woman at a boulangerie to add and change and sub in and out my sandwich, uh -huh. and she said, no. No. C'est pas possible. She didn't even say c'est pas possible. Oh, yeah. She said, no. No. And I was like, I'm, no, c'est pas possible is always after that. Right. And I was like, I mean, of course, like, I'll just pay extra. Mm -hmm. And she's like, uh, but no. And, you know, I'm like, Ugh. but I just see the extra stuff there. And she's like, no. Yeah. And you know they yeah. the bakers you know, they get up there at four or five in the morning. She's been she's made all the sandwiches. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. You know it's the same as like I've, I asked a translator to translate something, and I asked last minute, and he said uh, no. So Papa Siba asked me on Monday. Monday I'm going away for and I was it's just like, Wednesday I will I'm going pay away. twice the price. Oh. And I love that he was like no, and the no is because 
I'm just thinking that I can like buy his weekend that mm-hmm. he's gained that he needs, and that's self preservation. The same, the self preservation for the woman at the boulangerie. Otherwise, she'd be changing sandwiches all day long. Mm-hmm. Self preservation for the guy asked to translate because otherwise, he's like, then he doesn't have a weekend. It's self preservation. So But it's like. Do you find somebody wrote a book,、uh, Elaine Sciolino, called "The Seduction," and she talked about everything in France is about seduction、mm-hmm. and getting to know people. But if you get to know people, they'll make the sandwich for you. Yes,、perhaps. sometimes, and then I mean, you're like, th- it's like, oh my god. Of course, but it's still, it's still seduction. Of course, yes and no. I could not have seduced this translator,、mm-hmm. you know, even if I knew him, it would have been like,、uh, I would、right. love to, but you know, and honestly, like, I, I'm tired. I mean. My friend who did help me work on the so a lot of the photo selection of the book, he was just like, ah, it's the summer, and he's like a great friend of mine. I, I seduce her or not, he was like, I'd love to help you. Goes, but man, I've been waiting for this vacation, and I'm like, you know what? This is exactly what I'm talking、uh-huh. about. So I had to respect that, you know, and work around his summer vacation. Well, one thing a lot of listeners might not understand is when you're. Moving to another country, especially France, there's a lot of paperwork, and you have to get documents professionally translated. There are deadlines, and it costs a lot. It's like 50 euros a page. And I remember the first time I had like something translated, the guy called me up and he goes, "There's a few words I don't understand. What does heretofore mean?" Because <laughs> a lot of these American documents、yes. are in this like old yeah. English, yeah. like four、yeah. score and seven yeah. years yeah. ago. They're like.、Uh, <laughs> So those kind of things like, are funny. I know. No, I think I think it's great, and I think everyone—that's a lesson that, like I said, that everyone should learn. And the reason I think it's a lesson that is related to joy is because saying no to someone is saying yes to like something else, which is、yep. your time and what what、yep. it is you do want to do. I think people are getting that message now more with the internet, where we're on twenty four seven and we're getting all these requests, and you just can't process them. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're a jerk. It just means well. I choose. You have children.、It's、yeah. Like, I've got to go pick up my children、yeah. and love them and iron all these linen sheets、yeah. that I buy. I don't iron,、yeah. by the way. Just you don't. No, I don't believe in ironing. Roman is really good at. He just he's ironing. I bought a big roll of、yeah. kitchen towel material、yeah. and he's ironing the whole thing. No, I don't、beautiful. do all that. Okay. <laughs> well, you do have a tip about linen in yes, your book. Yes, about how I because、yeah. French people like linen. Yes, they love linen. And I, I always tell to people they're both grandmother secrets. One is just like when it comes out of the wash, you, f- with your hands, just like smooth down the wrinkles、mm-hmm. and fold it, and then either just hang it out to dry in the sun,、mm-hmm. or then you can put it or hang it in the bathroom. And what I do is I, I just hang it,、mm-hmm. and then it's already folded. But it's kind of you know it's kind of stiff. Yeah. And then when you're ready to use it, just put it in the dryer or just you know sprinkle it with a little water, and it like unstiffens and gets that soft feel. That's one way. The other way is I literally will just lay a tablecloth down,、mm-hmm. and just have like a water, a spray water bottle, and just, it's basically like steaming it. You、mm-hmm. just like spritz it, and then smooth the little wrinkles down with your hand, and then wait, and it's like steaming it. And all the little, I do it with my clothes. I do it with. Well, one, one thing I've noticed that French people seem to do, and this is a generalization, but they seem to dress well. Like they don't have a lot of clothes, but they look. Good, yeah. And they're not like fancy. They're not like I'm wearing like a hoodie and stuff, going to like Pilates. But even like if they're slouching around at a bar, and I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> and they, you know, a lot of these men, they have like their ha- their hair is like a mess,、yeah. and they haven't shaved in like a week, and they look amazing. 
Like, how do I do that? You know, that's so funny. So you're probably the third person who's asked me this. Okay. And someone asked me this on tour, and I remember giving the answer. And and I and I keep thinking about it. My answer, obviously, there's like an answer I give sort of mm-hmm. in the book. But also it's like, well, you have to, there's a couple of things here. One, I think that French people have a confidence that we, you know, maybe in the other part of the world don't have. And that confidence in who they are and like acceptance for like who they are or how they are mm-hmm. is probably what lends to the fact that they're they're okay with this pretty curated closet of, you know, things that they know look good on them, mm-hmm. pieces they know, and they're fine to like rewear them and rewear them and rewear them. You know, they they've, you know, they know that this shirt looks good on me. You know, at my one of my neighbors, she always has this like skirt she wears with this top. And like shoes. And she just, it looks like a simple outfit. There's nothing special about it. She probably got it at Monoprix. Mm -hmm. But she looks good in it and she knows she looks good in it. And it's a very simple look. Um, So I think there's like the confidence that plays into that. And that confidence comes from, you know, they've just learned how to like curate their look. And they don't really give into trends. So they're not like playing with all the like trendy stuff. They're just Mm -hmm. like wearing what they know looks good on them. I mean, that's one part of it. The second part of it, I think, is. I think, well, I don't think, I know people here aren't really walking around on the streets in like leggings and yoga clothes right. and, you know, workout clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's, I think when I was answering this question when I was on the road and she was like, why does everyone look so good? I was like, well, because they're not all walking around wearing workout clothes. So for, yeah. for to your eyeballs, it's very different than like, I grew up in Austin, Texas. Well, I just went back to Austin. Everyone is wearing workout clothes athleisure everywhere you go <laughs> well i used to wear black shoes when i moved to france people weren't wearing sneakers as yeah. like they are now that i'd always wear black shoes and i remember going back to america and people were like are you going to a funeral yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like no i mean i get made fun of all the time in austin because everyone i'm not kidding is looks like they're going to like a class and i mean or a basketball pickup game or something mm-hmm. and i think if you live in a community where you see so much of that, mm-hmm. when you come to France where people don't dress like that, you're kind of like, everybody looks so good. Well, I think, you know, you were talking about joie, the subject of your book. And I think that's part of it is like, the joie de vivre isn't necessarily trying hard. Yeah. It's not the woman, you know, the cliche of the woman with that scarf effortlessly looking chic. It's the fact that everyday life There are moments, you know, you buy a shirt and you're proud of it or you're happy. You talked about something that was really interesting in the book that I never thought about was skincare. Yes. Yeah. And how French people, it's not a luxury. It's like taking care of yourself. Absolutely. And if you go to the pharmacy here, it's kind of amazing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I've I've gotten really interested in skincare just because. Well, you know, I think. Because I'm French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that... And I'm getting old. I love yeah. that, the that you know, this idea of, like, maintaining what you already have mm-hmm. instead of, like, going out of your way to, like, change who you are or what you look like goes back to the confidence thing probably. But I find it fascinating that all these skincare products are put in um, a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. You know, more and more you're seeing it in, you know, monoprise and stuff. But it's in the pharmacy because the yeah. pharmacy is like where you go to get your medicine, to take care yeah. of yourself. And you're taking care of yourself by getting, like, your SPF and your moisturizing cream and your micellar water and a mask. And you have to explain what the mis- micellar water yeah, is because so, I don't. So micellar I, water 
Okay. <laughs> I should probably like research facts, okay. right? But I will say a lot of people use micellar water, which is a special type of like, not, I don't, purified water. It's like a special type of water um, because, and it, that I'd be curious to find out like the, the real reasons, but in Paris, the water is very, very hard. Yes. And probably in cer certain countries, like when I go to Austin, like the water, I can like smell it a mile away. Like mm -hmm. it's very like, you know, we used to have to put salts in our water when we were kids. Okay. A salt tank. So instead of like washing your face with all this harsh water with like minerals in it, you're washing it with this like, you just clean it with this micellar water. Okay. And um, so that's why a lot of people use micellar water on their face, your well, face and your neck. And then the pharmacy woman is like, after you use the micellar water to clean off, you know, the pollution mm -hmm. and the dirt and whatever on your face, then you spray it with the, you know, the, like the Evian sprays or the water. Evven uh -huh. spray. And then you wipe that off. Okay. And then you have a fresh face to do whatever serums and, you know, different kind of things you're doing. It's a, well, you know, it's when not, I, it's just like one pad of spray water, take it off. Well, when I moved here, I remember going into, I used to lead tours and my throat was always dry. So I went into a pharmacy to get Ricola. Yeah. Those. Um, yeah. And the woman's like, oh, you need to go to the super. She was like, she, and she wasn't like rude about it. She goes, oh, that's something you find at the supermarket. <laughs> and they were such a different, you were saying like, yeah. the pharmacies really do have special things. Yeah. yeah but I, I like that. I find that fascinating that you're going, because also it's also, you're going there and it's all affordable stuff, right? So that goes mm -hmm. back to what we were talking about in the beginning about, you know, and it, it, I think where I'm from, if you go into like the beauty stores or to get all that beauty products, it's like, okay, this moisturizer costs $75 yeah. and promises you blah, blah, blah. You go into the pharmacy, it costs you 15 mm -hmm. and, you know, it promises you a lot of things that also are not a bunch of mysterious products because, you know, France has a very strict list about what can go in beauty products. But they put a lot of scent, like a, I bring back a lot of unscented things from the U.S. because scents are actually very bad for your skin, even natural ones. I've, yeah. I've been learning a lot about because uh, the water's taking yeah. its toll on me here in Paris. Yeah. And they even put it in like these sensitive skin, like things for babies. I'm like, I'm going to buy that laundry detergent. I look <laughs> and I open the top and I'm like, oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, an, I'm, I'm one for unscented products too. But I really appreciate here that there's an emphasis on taking care of like the skin that you have, the and spending body. money on it. Yeah. But you're not spending, I don't feel like the wool's being pulled over your eyes and convincing you that to take care of your skin, you have to spend 150, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's mm -hmm. French luxury beauty brands out mm -hmm. there selling, but you go to their stores and you buy that stuff. But at the pharmacy, you have access to take care yeah. of something that's going to take care of your skin. Well, I also feel like, and I wrote about this a couple of times in my life on my website and so forth about French pharmacies and how the pharmacist is like your friend. Yeah. Or your confidant too. Yeah. And I always feel like you go in there and you got to make friends with those people. Yeah. Because if they see you, if you just stop in, they don't, it's, it's not like America where like they're going to help you. Yeah. If they know you, they'll be like, oh, Monsieur Shabbat, well, this one, this product is better you know, it's cheaper yeah. or try this or. They get to know you. They might give you samples. So you can, yeah. they think. I've never what, gotten samples. Oh, I'm not there yet. I have loads of samples. Oh. Like I have two pharmacies and one I haven't been to for a while. And then when I went back, she was like, well, where have you been? We haven't seen you. And I'm like, oh, oh you I cheated. Two, oh. I know. Because I either go to the left or I go to the right, you know, like. 
Um, oh, I had Sarah Donnelly on my has, podcast. I know what and, she says. It's the funniest yeah. joke. She says, you have the pharmacy that you go to and then the pharmacy you go to for the embarrassing things. Yeah. That, but I always think funny. you go, you want to go to the same one for the embarrassing things because they know you. But no. when I told Roman about that, he goes, yeah, that's what people do. That's what I do too. I have one yeah. that I go to for the embarrassing stuff mm-hmm. and one I go to for anything and everything. I guess because my doctor, I didn't realize this, but she used to have a phone-in sex talk show in France. Oh and so she was always, I'd go in there and have like, I have a bump on my head. Mm-hmm. And she's like, take off all your clothes. I'm like, but, and she would like ask me a lot of very personal questions. And not to be, she yeah. wasn't like weird about it. It was yeah. just, it was health yeah. related things. Yeah. I was like, wow, you're awesome. But she didn't know something. I actually use now one of these water softening shower nozzles. Okay. And I, it, all my skin, like almost my skin problems went away. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. I was thinking about putting one of those, like, it's almost like a Brita attaching it to mm. my we're going to go upstairs and see my shower after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> that, I'm going to get canceled said. for inviting my first guest. <laughs> We're going to go in the shower. Um, but changing the subject a little yeah. bit to food, because food is such an important part in France, of life in France, shopping for it, enjoying it, eating it, eating out. And you, you talk a lot in your book, Joie, about dinner parties, yeah. entertaining. Um, and so there's some rules of French entertaining. And they're not meant to be like strict rules, but one of the rules is we decided when we moved into our new apartment, we weren't going to have any rules. Yeah, I and, love that. Yeah, and we're going to let people sit wherever they want. But tell us some of the rules about like seating, what you bring to a, as a hostess gift. You also have a, a little thing about what you can talk about and what you can't talk <laughs> about. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, so yes, there's rules, and then there's rules that are meant to be broken. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had a French person the other day tell me, you're not supposed to say bon appetit. I've heard that, but yeah. I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time, yeah. too. And I was yeah. like, but why? And he goes, ah, it's just about, like, it's old school. It's like, yeah. okay. Cause, and then I heard someone else tell me that it was bad luck. And I was like, okay. No. So, I mean... Rules of entertaining. I mean, the number one thing that everyone should know... If you go to someone's house, do not arrive exactly on time. Yeah. For dinner. For dinner. Lunch is different. Uh, really? I would say for any of it. Do, like if someone invites you over at noon, don't show up at 11.59. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, unless I'll see old people. And now yes. that I'm old, I'm saying that. So. Yeah. I just say like, like you I know, hear the knock on the door at like 11.59. <laughs> I have some friends like that. I have some friends like that. And um, a friend of mine told me it's called a, uh, a countdown de politis. It's like, you know, 15 minutes of politeness for the hostess because, you know, they're usually not ready. So if you give them 10, 15 minutes, they won't care. They're like, they'll Mm -hmm. be so happy because there's also a stream of people coming. Someone comes 10 minutes after. Someone comes 12 minutes. So it gives them time to, like, be running late, greet Mm -hmm. all the people that come. That's really lovely. Um, Then I know a lot of people bring flowers to the hostess Mm -hmm. or the host. Roman does that. Yes. I, and I know... Like, this is, like, one of those things that, like, 50-50, what people think, yeah. if it's okay. I don't think, I wouldn't, so that's why I want to call it a rule, but I don't think you should bring flowers to the hostess because she or he has been running around preparing everything, and they probably bought flowers. So when you bring your flowers, they're probably going to be like, oh, where am I going to put those? They have yeah. to, like, find a vase. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have one. You know, it kind of takes them away for one more thing for them to prepare. Okay. So that's why I'm not a big fan of flowers. And um, 
someone had told me, oh, back in the days it used to be, was it Dana Thomas? It was like back in the day, you would bring, you would have flowers sent before. Right. To That's the what people used to. Yeah. But I think you do that on a level that at least I don't, like my friends aren't like, but I know yeah. I had a friend who was a socialite. And yeah, you do before she still or you do after to say thank you. Yeah. Um, but bringing flowers at the moment, just, you know, I was at a dinner recently where someone brought this big bouquet. It was so beautiful, but she literally just put it down on her table of books. Yeah. Because she's greeting people yeah. and talking. She doesn't have time to go in the kitchen and cut them and put them. So, and then I was told by a French person that you shouldn't bring wine. So this one I don't totally agree with. And he says, he said it was because it says to the person hosting that you don't trust their taste and they've already picked out. And I, I have read this in different things. They've already picked out the wines that are going to go with the meal. Uh-huh. So, but I don't agree with that one. Again, when we're talking about rules that are, because they can put the wine and save it for later. Right. Well, that's what I've always yeah. heard is like, you, they, you might not, nice they might not serve it. Yeah. And you should never ask them to serve it. Just You should offer it to them. To enjoy later. So I think like, you know, bring the host or the hostess is a really nice present. I think wine is fine. Chocolates are lovely. I love bringing like salt or like rare condiments that they can like enjoy. Edible things that are, I was going to say edibles, but (laughs) in America (laughs) there are like edibles with cannabis, but something edible is always, I I brought a friend last night mozzarella balls from my local Italian pizzeria. Yeah. And she was like, oh, but I know she she loved them. And if you know them personally, you know, I've brought a friend, like, a cute little set of cocktail napkins because mm-hmm. I knew she would like it. You know, I make napkins. So it's always nice to bring a present. It's always nice to not show it up exactly on time. Okay. But don't be 30 minutes late. Like, so just be right. careful. Like, he, I'm saying being a little late. I'm not saying be late. We have some <laughs> friends that are, like, an hour late. And that's man's like, that's very bobo Parisian. That's and... beyond rude. I think okay. that's so rude. Okay. Can you um, write that down and I'll show you? Give it to your friend. Like, I'll put a sign on the door. You know, Sorry you're yeah. late. Go 15 home. minutes late. Like, anything, you know. So, speaking of rude, I have an etiquette question. Yes. I'm, I know you're not an etiquette advice columnist, but I know sometimes I go to people's house and there's a certain kind of wine that a lot of people, a lot of um, French people... I'll just say it. A lot of people like Bordeaux and they like inexpensive Bordeaux. And for me, a lot of them are really tannicky. Mm. And I have a really hard time drinking them because it hurts my body. Yeah. I feel like I'm being, it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> so sometimes I bring wine because I want to drink. I like to drink wine with food. Mm-hmm. But they don't, they might or might not open it. Or if they open my wine, everyone will drink that and then they'll drink it. Yeah. So what should I do? You're just going to have to suck it up. Suck it up. Okay. You, there's nothing you can say unless you're really close to them. Uh-huh. And maybe drink water. <laughs> well, that's what I try to I do, know. but I don't want their like, I think oh. you can't, that, I think like you just, if the conversation was coming up and everyone's having lively conversation, you know, because French people love to talk about wine. Yes. And food. Uh, and food. Yeah. They love to like have deep conversation about, about that kind of stuff, which is like earlier you said what to talk about, what not to talk about. I do give some pointers in the book. Do not talk about work. Nobody wants to hear about your job. But unless your job is, you know, working in wine and food um, <laughs> or something, something really fun and interesting. Uh, that sounds really horrible. But. Um, no, <laughs> well, if you work at, well. Yeah, like they don't like, I mean, I think it makes sense. Like people want to know what you're up to, but they don't want to, you know, have this like exhaustive conversation about mm, your, your insurance or your colleagues and like what's happening. But have like, you noticed, then I've t- I told Roman this. Every conversation, every dinner party I've ever been to, the subject of fiscalité oh. comes up of like taxes and stuff. 
And I said, you know, I don't think I've ever been to a dinner party where people discuss that in America. Oh, no. Yeah. And I talked to a friend in Brooklyn. He goes, we actually go out of our way not to, like, no one wants to talk about that. But everyone in France is, because yeah. it's such a big part of life. The, right. All that intricacy. Yes. The accounting, the fiscaliste, and all the, I mean, it's also because we're all just like, all the admin bureaucracy yeah. is like such a heavy part of daily life here. Like. I, know. I have a prefecture appointment tomorrow, and I'm just, like, not going, actually. Do you want me to go with you? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm literally not going, and I might be making a mistake because so I the, just found out I can do it online. So the prefecture is, like, city hall Yeah. For people that don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing, you know, we all end up talking about laughing yeah. and complaining and, you know. But no. French people are used to that. So like, we're not used to it. And Americans yeah. are like, oh, we have really bad customer service in America. Or like, oh, the paperwork. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't know until you've been to the Mary yeah. or the prefecture here. Yeah. And that's not the joie part of Paris that's in your book. But it's part no. of life in Paris. It is part of life in Paris, yeah. And yeah. you can't have good without bad. Yeah. And I actually give French people a lot of credit because they handle a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And... People always, it's a, it's a bonding thing in France. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, say all these, all yeah. this paperwork and so forth. No, absolutely. I think, you know, like you said, you have to have some bitter with some sweet. And there's so many other wonderful things about Paris, so we like to, <laughs> we like to complain about the prefecture. It adds spice to it all. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily I don't have to go very much anymore, but. Oh, you're so lucky. No, well, I'm not lucky. <laughs> fortunate because well I worked uh, you know yes exactly yeah, yeah, that's I, right I, yeah yeah I didn't just land you, know, yes. you don't just land in France very um, true oh I like that I like that distinction between lucky and fortunate yes. I'm gonna start using that well somebody told me something interesting that a lot of people want to move to a foreign country and we're just going to talk about France here but they yeah. move here and then they realize they're kind of starting at the bottom rung and a friend of mine who had moved, a woman who I met here, she was American, she moved here and then she moved back, but she wrote a book. In her book, she said, well, you know, if your French isn't that good, you're always going to be treated like a three-year-old because <laughs> you're not going to be considered right. equal with people yeah. and not, you know, not in an equality mm, kind of yeah, situation, yeah. but you're right. not in the same, people yeah. are going to talk to you in very simple terms. Yeah. Well, I mean, my French is not very wonderful, but you know. But you negotiate things and you, people, when you go to the flea markets, yes. you don't want to get taken and you don't want, no. you know, they hear your accent and you, you need to let them know like, yes, okay, exactly. I'm here to buy. Yeah. I speak French place. with everyone at the flea market. I speak mm -hmm. French at the marché. I speak French at, you know, school with the kids, teachers. So yeah, I know. You need to go with Romain. He's like, <laughs> he's like really good. So one other thing about entertaining that I want to talk about that you mentioned in the book, I, I keep wanting to get back to food. Um, <laughs> you talk about making the case for coops. Yes. And I have a coop. I have a little, we're going to do a little exercise oh, for me fine. when we're done. I okay. have some of my, some things yes. that are fi fines of mine. Okay. But you talk about coops, which are? Uh, they're uh, a, a shape of a glass with a very like shallow bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, there's the myth that was like modeled after Marie Antoinette's breast, which is not true, but it's still a fun story. And they're for drinking champagne and cham like champagne people probably don't like that. Yeah. And actually you can drink anything you want in them. Mm -hmm. you know, I drink wine in them all the time because they let the bubbles out fast enough. And I always say, well, 
you shouldn't be holding it long enough for yeah. there to, to be staring. Well, I'm not there to stare at bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to drink. Exactly. Well, sometimes I see them sold as sorbet glasses. Mm -hmm. Like, no, they're champagne. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. They're for champagne. I mean, the, the ones for dessert are usually in metal or Enox mm -hmm. um, or have like a real high, um, like, angular side. Okay. Because I sort of recently discovered that I don't really like champagne flutes. They're kind of uncomfortable and yeah. they fall over. That's so funny. Wait, so, so the flutes, right? Yeah. Um, I love the way that when you hold a coupe, your how your hand looks. Yeah, it's sexy. It is sexy. Yeah. And a flute's just kind of like, yeah. I don't know, it doesn't feel the same. It's funny because Roman uses that word sexy. Yeah. Like we were talking about like a new news channel in France. He goes, c'est pas trop sexy. Yeah. And that's kind of the joie. Like you yes. want to be stylish yes. and you want to have like yes. a nice thing. I mean, I, I, as I say it, the French love beautiful things. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, in my opinion, the leader of beautiful things. And, you know, coops. The funny part is like coops are making a comeback in like a crazy, crazy way. And it's been now kind because of like. Because of you. It's been You're the coupe lady. You know, I was actually at, a, I was at a flame, uh, the big Braderie de Lille, the big, like, you know, fair that happens once a year. And there was a woman following me and she goes, are you Madame de la Maison? I was like, yes. She was like, I follow you. And I was following you, watching you pick up all these coupes. And I was like, <laughs> don't take my coupes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't take your hand off anything. <laughs> well, one thing, it's funny because Roman, when he met me, he was like, you're really good. You're a very good sheener, which is... Yeah. Yeah, when it, you to flea market, like to buy market. stuff. Yeah, and I said, well, because I look down, <laughs> and he looks up. Yeah, he's always looking at things on the wall. I'm like, I'm looking down, so I find things. Yeah, the things that the people aren't paying attention to. But in your book, Joie, which is subtitled "A Parisian's Guide to Celebrating the Good Life," and because I'm Parisian, yeah, I want to celebrate the good life. But in your book, you talk about how your mother had special china, yeah, and you weren't allowed to use it. Neither was she. And there's a great story about when you were so excited because she was going to use it. Yes. Yes. And well, I love that story. She wasn't allowed to use it because she didn't allow herself to use it. She didn't I'm allow mother. herself yeah. to experience that joy. Are you, you're, you're like that? We're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> she didn't allow herself to use this china. And I wanted to set the table. I wanted to use it. She said, no, waiting for a special occasion, waiting for a special occasion. I, you know, I'm saving that. And, you know... She never got that special occasion because she died. And she mm -hmm. never got to eat not even a piece of toast off that china that she loved so much. Mm -hmm. So for me, that kind of was something that taught me at an early age and then really came back as I got older. Like, you know, you should if you have things that you love that, that bring you joy and that, mm -hmm. you know, like you should use them. You should surround yourself with things that you love that bring joy. You should use the things. I mean, But what if it stresses you out to use them because they're going to get broken? Then don't have them. Oh, they're okay. going to get broken. You know, okay. like things are going to get broken. Like, okay. you know, it's, I, I feel like, yes, I think it stressed my mom out because she wanted mm -hmm. them. She was like, no, people are going to break them. Because well, you mentioned them. in the book, she once set this table. Yeah, then... she set the table. And then a, a few minutes later, I'm like, finally, we've set the table. And she's like, okay, now put it all back. And she starts like putting it all back. And I'm like, no, mommy, no, mommy. Like, what are you, like, what's going on? And she's like, no, it's going to get broken. It's going to br get broken. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking like, okay, mommy, it's going to get broken, but at least you would have sat down and shared this mm -hmm. beautiful thing yeah. that you loved so much. You would have gotten to use it. You would have shared it. You would have honored the hands that made that. Mm -hmm. Somebody it, made that. 
And it wasn't an, an art showpiece. And now where is it? Where are the, where are well, the dishes? Well, sadly, it was scattered when she died. All these people came and took bits and pieces, aunts and uncles. And, and, okay. Yeah. But, and, and, and they're probably not, eating like burritos. No, 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 no. No, actually. So to tell you, so some pieces, one family member that I don't talk to anymore took some, so I'll never see that again. Okay. Some of it my dad left in a storage that like, you know, got lost. So yeah. someone is probably yeah. buying my mom's wedding china at a flea market somewhere. Okay. Um, and then another box was in my aunt's stuff. So maybe I'll maybe I'll be re- reunited with like at least a, a plate or two one day. But you have alerts on eBay for these things. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I should. So I have a couple of things because I am a really good collector. I'm a very okay. good chiner finding okay. things at flea markets. Mm-hmm. However. I'm not necessarily good at using them. So I brought three different things here that I'm scared to use. Okay. And the first are cafe au labels. I have Mm. these, which I bought, which I use, because these are white and they're super heavy. And I don't even know if that might be for mixing like drugs or something, like pharmacy drugs. But this one I love. Yeah. My God, they're they're very heavy and like... And I just, le- you can't break. A friend of mine who gave me that, yeah. it was in his kitchen. He goes, if you drop this bowl, the sink will break, <laughs> not the bowl. <laughs> yeah. It feels like this same consistency of marble, like very yeah. And this dense. one's like broken. And, and I like that. that. One? It's got like chips on the bottom. It doesn't bother me. This one's perfect. So I use these. Yeah. But okay. these, I have these thin ones that are colorful. Yeah. And they're beautiful and they're not chipped because I don't buy chipped stuff. Because yeah. I'm Mr. Perfect. Oh, um, and they're so... Three. This one's probably a three, too. What's a three? So I did this video about bowls. I learned about bowls. Um, it's very rare to find antique bowls. Yes, because I buy them. <laughs> That's me with coops. Um, and the bowls were used for measuring. These? But these are cafe au lait bowls. Yeah, so, but, like, different... These. I have a set of mortar and, like, pestle down in the basement. That feels one like a mortar like and pestle, big. this yeah. one. Yeah, okay. I have... There's more. <laughs> so these bowls, I think they're beautiful. They're colorful. They're nice. Should I use these? Like Roman's going to drop one. So even if they're Casio labels. He's going to put them in the dishwasher. <laughs> there would probably have been other ones, different sizes. Okay. Like that would have set in that would have been a two uh, and okay. a one. Yeah. Okay. I have a bunch of mini. I collect the mini ones. Too. I'm going to send you the video I learned about bowls, okay. why they have these numbers. Should yeah. I use these? Yes, you should use them. What if Roman breaks, what if he drops one or chips it or puts it in the dishwasher? He'll hide it from you probably, number one. But number two, then you'll just, it just, you'd find more. But I'm not, well, okay. These are hard to find. I know they're hard to find. And you, you know, it's almost like they're so, unless you're like collecting them as like a a collection to stare at. Yeah. Like the purpose is I'm getting to like... sweaty. They came out using it. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment. What if I dropped it in this yeah. interview? Well, I know um, you can replace it. <laughs> I see. I mean, yeah. I actually know now that I know this is what you like, I know, I know where to find these bowls. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot. I have other ones in the kitchen that we yeah. use, nice. but yeah. these ones are exceptionally beautiful. Yeah. I know two people that have similar bowls. So I'll be on the lookout, but well, these I love. Yeah, those. So I had, so, okay, look, for example, I had two white bowls. They were numbered. One was a mm-hmm. two and one was a three. And I love them. And Baz broke one of the bowls. And I remember he like. Is that one of your children? Yes. Baz is one, my youngest okay. son. And he broke the bowl. And I remember just being like, oh, rats. That was, I loved that bowl. It's rare. I was like. And you said, like, I loved you too until you broke the bowl. I know. And he was like, I'm so sorry, mommy. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's oh, fine. It's fine. Let's it's an accident. 
I also don't want my kids to have that thing where they're like, when something breaks, they're like, <gasps> like it's not the end of the world. Did you get hurt? Is everything okay? We can find another bowl. Well, see, like Roman, like I had to teach him how to use, he didn't really grow up with the dishwasher. And I said, you yeah, know, we can put these things in the dishwasher, but they can't touch each other. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I shook the rack and I said, you want to make sure when, you know, things are moving. And like, I opened the dishwasher and the bowls are touching. <laughs> I'm like, no. So now I put like plastic stuff between. Right. No, I think that you should use them because they're so beautiful. Unless you have them as display pieces, it's kind of, or as, a, like I said, a collection, that's what they're meant for. And you'll probably feel so much joy sitting on your terrace, like, oh. you know, with your bowl that, and you'll just be looking at it, just being, looking and saying like, what a beautiful piece. What a, what a beautiful Well, you garden. holding it, beautiful it's beautiful. Moment. I want to take a picture and use that <laughs> in my next book. <laughs> it's so, this book. one is, this one is exceptional. They're beautiful. But you okay. should use them. Okay. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> okay, so item number two. And okay. I'm going to put pictures of these things on my newsletter, which is at davidlebovitz.substack.com. This is a glass. When I was writing Drinking French, I bought like some French Larousse book of cocktails, and there yeah. was a picture, and it said, Curtis, it was like from the 50s or 60s yeah. or 70s maybe, courtesy of Baccarat. So I went into the Baccarat store with a picture in the book, and she goes, oh, this is Narcisse. Let me call around. And she, I was like, oh, it was a French joie. Like, if you're interested in something beautiful, they'll help you. Yes. I was interested. So I ended up finding these on eBay from somebody in Florida. They actually had the whole set. Oh, wow. But I bought four glasses because they were $200 Euro each. Um, and I thought we'd use them in the book, but we yes. didn't. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, so beautiful. should I use them? Absolutely. These are so, like, I love, look at how. Do you know the pattern? Um, no. It's like it's like 70s. Right. It yeah. looks very 70s. It looks like like a play on their Harcourt collection, um, that Harcourt pattern. But, you know, it has this very sculptural, like, way for it's your like hand a, to yeah. hold it. It's art. There's a carafe, a wine carafe mm -hmm. that's, like, off. The thing isn't centered Might even on be purpose. 60s, no? 60s or 70s? What did you say it was? It looks very 60s. I forgot. It's a pattern called Narcisse. Um, and I was, somebody had the whole set, you know, probably I mean, some, some family in Florida. Yeah. They, the parents never would let them but use it. But how, like, you know, beautiful is to use this. I know. And not only that, you'll, I mean, Baccarat is floating out there on the markets all it's over expensive. the place. It's expensive. It's expensive on the markets. Cheap. Also, I mean, this is signed. Um, it's never cheap, but it's, it wasn't. It was made with such quality, you know, that's okay, why it's not. Yeah. yeah, it is quite. You know, it's such I never like, considered Baccarat. And then when I went to the store, I was sound? picking things up. I was like. That beautiful crystal sound. Um, it's like wonderful. Okay. So the last item is something that I'm, I don't know if you're going to be able to get me. I'm going to have cafe au lait from these bowls. Mm -hmm. Tonight, we're going to have maybe champagne in those. Okay. Or, or rosé like you had the rose. other day. Yeah. With ice. A yes. cube in it, one cube. <laughs> But kitchen towels. Torchon. Right. The Torchon. I love French kitchen towels, and I buy them at flea markets when I find them reasonably mm -hmm. priced, and they're in really good condition. And it seems like you like the very the the very hard le um, linen ones. Well, I've right? never used the heavy <laughs> because I'm afraid to. Because I, I wipe up, like, David, tomato like sauce and chocolate. My, I have, like, 50 of these. Well, I have, like, 70. And I, <laughs> oh, I was going to, I have shit. a box of them, and I. And you have 70 of them that you don't use? Well, I, I don't want to stain them. No. Okay. So should I use them? I'm yes. I'm turning red. You should use okay. these. I mean, they're so beautiful. And imagine, 
again, how are you going to feel when you're in your kitchen, recipe testing, working on, um, you know, cooking for friends, and you have these beautiful beet juice. Yes, but also linen is very, 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 like, strong. Like, stains come out of uh, linen very, like, e- much easier than people think they... I mean, look at this. The stripe with the green yeah. and the the green and the uh, red stripe, which I think is pay basque. Basque. Yeah. You have to use these. Because also, first of all, they clean up easy. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you have 70 of them. Mm-hmm. And third of all... You know where to find more. You know, like this is so special. This is so like, I like all my kitchen towels to be like this, you know, beautiful French torchon. I read this article in the Wall Street Journal, a love story with torchons. I have to send this to you. Okay, it's yeah. an old one, and it's this guy who like um, obsessed with these torchons. Uh, the, I love this color. This one's really great too. This like Those... a darker color with a green and a blue and a red. Those were a euro each at like a flea market and Roman. I was like, should I buy them? I was trying not to buy oh, stuff. Yes. And then he ended up buying two of them. And I I went, I said, why didn't you buy the whole stack? And he went back <laughs> and of course they were gone. This, this, that Basque one is really lovely. I love this. So while you were talking, I found like a, there was a Ooh. stack behind you of all sorts of other linens. These um, are so great. Yeah, I just... When they're in, I can't resist. I mean, so what do you use on a daily basis then? If well, not like these kitchen beautiful towels, kitchen towels, like you know, from the kitchenware store. Oh no! Okay, no. so I'm gonna Mm-mm. as soon as you leave, I'm gonna put those you in the, the rag bin. I mean, no, that stained with what? Uh, beet juice, chocolate. Chocolate red comes wine. out. No, it doesn't. Blood. <laughs> do you have the K2R spray? No, but I know that there's, what is it called, Vanish, which is OxyClean. Yeah. Well, I use the K2R. That's, and it works? Yes. I use it on everything okay. for Monoprate. Like, I had lipstick and chocolate on my, for being at a party, and then, you know, kids. I just mm-hmm. sprayed it, threw it in the machine, on white, on everything. I've gotten all of it. Oh, this one's a nice size. Yeah. They're all, like, interesting sizes, and... They're just beautiful. Oh, but the feel of them, you know, like this is such good. So I wish there was a video because I love watching you touching <laughs> and going through. Like you're really appreciating them. Yes, because I mean, look at the like the fabric. It's just like yeah. if you hold this and then you hold that one, you know, that you got at you know the kitchen store or like some yeah. of some that I've had from Monoprix when they do like little collaborations. It just doesn't feel the same. So can I use these? Oh in the yes. House? Okay. I, oh, and look at they're nicely like embroidered. I know. I love the ones with the little initials. I mean, look. But don't you think like somebody's mother didn't want to use these or father? No, they just had so many of them. Okay. Yeah. Like we I'll send you this article. It's really great. Okay. Um, but they have. I mean, just look at that. I know, but it looks good on you. She's holding it up to your. <laughs> okay. You know, I like. I'm holding it like it's a table napkin because it's just it is like beautiful. the colors are so like pretty and inspiring. Oh my God. You know, like imagine you're cooking and you're just like, you know. Now you I feel bad that I didn't bring the, I have a whole box in the basement. I would have gone nuts. Okay. I love this stuff. Well, you're not love. leaving yet. Love, um, love, love. So before we go, just to mention once again, you have this beautiful new book. It's called Joie, which is J-O-I-E, A Parisian's Guide to Celebrating the Good Life. You have a website, Madame de la Maison. Yes. Dot com, and that's also your Instagram handle. Yes, it is. And mm-hmm. you sell things on your Insta- on your site or your yes. Instagram page, I guess yes. you call it. 
on my site, I sell antiques that I find. I sell my own collection of linens, table linens, okay. napkins, cocktail napkins. And I just started doing candles and cards, playing and, cards. And you ship worldwide. You I ship, ship to the yes, U.S. Yes, a lot. I do. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's wonderful to have you here. And I'm, I'm really glad to meet you in person because, as I mentioned, during lockdown, I think you, you sent me some coupe glasses because yeah. I was doing videos. And I was like, what a nice person. Yeah. And it was like, and it was just a lovely gesture. Well, so I appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. I mean, it's been nice to talk to you about my book. And mm-hmm. I'm always honored when someone reads it. Yeah. And I read <laughs> it from cover, cover to cover, cover and I learned yeah. something. And I, like I said, I've been living here 21 years. And it, I just really liked the book because it was really about France and wasn't just a lot of beautiful pictures. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is what not to talk about at a dinner yeah. party. Yeah. And not in like a scolding way, yeah. but in here, you know, this is make yourself a picnic if you live in Iowa and you go buy a bottle of French rosé, yeah. you know, buy a linen napkin yeah. and use yes. it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I hope that's what I hope people get from it. It's not about it's not about being like perfect. It's just about, you know, like living in your life in a way that, you know, finds little, small, simple joys, like maybe being in your kitchen all by yourself using a towel, a kitchen towel, okay. to push on that makes you smile because you love it so much. And drinking coffee out of my cafe au lait bowls or a cocktail out yes. of my vintage Baccarat Absolutely. Glasses. Well, thank you so much for it. It's been a joie, a joy, joie having you here yes. <laughs> in my kitchen. <laughs> and people can find you at Madame de la Maison, Maison online on the internet and you can look at your beautiful collection and buy things and also your book is wonderful just came out joie a parisian's guide to celebrating the good life by ajiri aki yes thank you thank you for coming and for making me feel good about my stuff yes and i love your book and i've loved reading it and merci. it's a pleasure to have you merci merci all right thanks and for those of you listening if you want to get show notes about this and links they'll be in my newsletter which is at davidlebovitz.substack.com if you like this podcast feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform such as apple spotify or whatever podcast platform you use thanks so much for listening in i really appreciate it and i'll see you soon bye bye 